Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The scripture reading for this Sunday is Luke 1, 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed at Elizabeth's for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, believe it or not, Christmas season is upon us. It's officially upon us. I know some people, they, they rush to, to Christmas a little bit prematurely. I've especially know that, noticed that this year. Uh, there are stores I went to that had Christmas decorations up before Halloween even happened. What's wrong with you people? And there's some of us that's okay with that. It's not okay. We can't do that. It's honestly selfish of some people. To do it It's like going to a surprise party and yelling out surprise before anyone else. We all want to do it. You just can't. Have some decency. There's a progression. It goes like this. There's ghosts and witches and Halloween, pilgrims and turkeys and Thanksgiving, and then baby Jesus and a little Santa. All right? And if you get it out of whack, you're going to mess everything up. I, honestly, I, th- I wonder if that's why global warming has happened. It's, just, it's very confusing. But here we are in December. It's dipped now to the, the low 70s. Uh, and it's officially Christmas season. So to help us get in the mood, to help us be a marker that we're finally here, who here loves Christmas music? Oh, yeah. So I wanted to play a little Christmas song just kind of just to get us into the mood here. Need a little Christmas. Call out the holly, put up the tree oh, before so my spirit falls again. Fill up the stocking. Go crazy, sing along. Maybe rushing things, but deck the halls again now. For we need a little Christmas, right this very minute. Candles in the window, carols up the spinet. Yes, we need a little Christmas, right this very that's enough Christmas spirit. Did anyone notice the words to that song? Let's look at it. Haul out the holly, put up the tree before my spirit falls again. Fill up the stocking, I may be rushing things, but deck the halls again now. For we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Candles in the window, carols in the spinet. Do we even have spinets nowadays? Sounds like something you, at Whole Foods you put on a salad. I don't want it. Jesus, or we, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. It hasn't snowed a single flurry, but Santa, dear, we're in a hurry. A hurry for what? 
does. It goes on to say this. For I've grown a little leaner. I've grown a little colder. I've grown a little sadder. Grown a little older. That's a, that's a guarantee. We need a little angel sitting on my shoulder. Need a little Christmas now. Anyone else slightly depressed? Whoever wrote that song, we just we need to spike their eggnog with a little Prozac. It's 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 just depressing. This flurry that this the singer is talking about. Just this hustle and bustle of Christmas. What what is this chasing? It's interesting to many that Christmas is the best time of year, but it's also the hardest time of year. Many times we can just be honest and say, I just hope to survive the holidays like it's something we have to get past. We run around crazy to pull off some fabricated thing with expectations higher than than most of our weeks. Uh, We spend more money than we have. We're busier than we can manage. We have all these holiday parties with people we really don't like. (laughs) And by Christmas lunchtime, our house is trashed. We're exhausted. We've done so much for the people we love, yet we haven't spent that much time with them. And we just kind of collapse on the couch with a slight taste of disappointment in our mouth. But don't worry. The big payoff happens in January when you get your credit card bill. And all of this is to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's so interesting. We began with celebrating the greatest gift, and we ended up with malls, debt, and anxiety. Like a kid swimming in the ocean, oftentimes I've wondered about Christmas. If, if we started off this thing, we started playing and enjoying ourselves, and then we ended up a mile away from where we began. So this season, the Vine, our church, is going to do something a little different. We want to find a different way of celebrating this season. We're joining a quiet movement of churches that have done something called the Advent Conspiracy, uh, which is an interesting name. This first word, Advent, means uh, to have an arrival. It means a coming. And so this season of Advent, we, we fill our life with anticipation and expectation for the arrival of Jesus. We remember what it must have been like when Jesus first came, and the hope that people had in their life. Uh, The second word, conspiracy, this has a a little different of a meaning for us. It makes us think of of all the weirdos who hold on these underlying stories of the grassy knoll or Tupac's death or, uh, you know, other weird things, Elvis Presley, whatever happened to him. You know, we have these weird, this conspiracy theories that we hold on to. Uh, but to conspire means to come together to create a movement that's usually under the radar to change how people perceive this world and how they might live as well. So what if we conspired to do Christmas differently? What if instead of just avoiding the craziness of the season, what if we conspire together to help change how we see this world and maybe, just maybe, help change this world. This is what Jesus did. For the next four weeks, we're going to conspire to do four different things. Each week, we're going to talk about a practice, something we hope to carry during the season. And at the end of it, at the end of this Advent season, perhaps we conspire together for something great. Each of these practices can change not only our perspective, but also change how we 
uh, how we see this world. And this week, we're going to begin by thinking about this season being a time of worship. I want us to just think about Jesus' mother, Mary, her life. We're going to look at that passage. Uh, We forget the drama in this story, so let's humanize Mary for a second. Mary was a young woman. She was around 14 or 15 when uh, this narrative picks up. She lived in a honor-driven, shame-intolerant culture. And she was uh, set to be married to Joseph. And there's no reason to think that she was disappointed about that. So like anyone engaged to be married, her life was full of her own advent, own expectations of what was to come. Her future, all the plans, everything was there in her mind and her heart. And then God interrupted. And this might be our own story today. Then God interrupted. She had this encounter with an angel who made incredible promises to her, but they all disrupted her life. She was headed down this one path. God's message came to her and sent her on a different path. And immediately, Mary's life was full of more questions than certainty. I'm sorry, you're saying that I am going to bear the son of God? How is that going to happen? What is Joseph going to think about that? Joseph in that shame intolerant culture, the best thing he could do is to quietly walk away from Mary the thing that the culture would have said he could do, and some people thought that he should do, was to have her stoned, to have her murdered. And you have to think, for Mary, her mind and her heart was swirling with these questions. She knew that she was going to be a disgrace to her family. She knew that she would bring shame upon herself. And so with all of that, when the angel comes to her and shares all these things, this is how she responds. This is in verse 38 of Luke 1. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. What a response of surrender. What a response of trust. She's saying above everything else, before being engaged, before anything else, I am the Lord's servant. This is my truer identity. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let it be to me just like you have said. What what a beautiful prayer. And after that, Mary goes to her relative Elizabeth, who's older, but also is pregnant, and she's pregnant with uh, John the Baptist. So Jesus and John the Baptist were, were cousins, and when she walks in, this amazing thing happens in verse 43. So when she walks in, Mary says hello, gives a greeting, and this is how Elizabeth responds. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth is so dialed in with God's presence. She's so attuned to God's presence that when this thing happens, God is revealing to her a greater truth. And I think one of the reasons why this is the case is I think Elizabeth probably lived with real advent. She was truly awaiting a savior. So when this happened, I wonder if her heart and her mind were attuned enough to go, perhaps this is the one. Perhaps this is the savior we've been waiting for. And notice this blessing she gives in verse 45. Blessed is she who is the mother of Christ. 
No. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth is pointing out that there is a blessing when it comes to living a life of faith, living a life of trust, that I'm going I'm to take these promises of God, although they seem crazy and difficult and hard to bear, and I'm going to receive them and walk forward in them. There is a blessing in that. And I wonder for many of us if we are missing out on a greater blessing of a life because, one, we either don't know the promises of God, or two, we haven't leveraged our life because of them. We haven't just reoriented our life to the promises of God. But Mary, she did. And so she hears this blessing from Elizabeth, and I love this. It's almost like a musical movie. Because right then, when she hears this blessing, she breaks out into song. She worships. There's so much going on about Mary's song that we can't get into, but there's one thing in particular that has jumped out to me, that has stuck with me, especially as I think about this Advent conspiracy, this series we're doing. It's just the first five words of this song. The first five words are this, my soul glorifies the Lord, or another translation, my soul magnifies the Lord. Her soul is magnifying God. First, it's good for us to notice that it's her soul that's doing the act of worship. It's more than words. It's more than right thinking. The deepest parts of her are now glorifying and worshiping God. Her soul has been so saturated with God's truth, God's promises, God's goodness, that her soul is praising God. God's goodness might need to take a deeper root in our own life so that our worship is more than our thoughts and our words and our deeds, but our actual souls are reflecting and praising and worshiping God. The most private parts of you, the sanctuary deep within you, praising Jesus. But what's all that business with the word magnifying? Isn't that an interesting word? There are actually two different kinds of magnifying. They can be summed up with both of these two devices right here. We have a microscope and a telescope. Both do magnifying, but they both do very different things. A microscope makes something small look a lot bigger. So I could put a leaf in here and dial it up and look, oh, yeah, look at that structure. Isn't that interesting? Is that chlorophyll I'm looking at? You know, you could look at it that way. And that's exactly what a microphone does. It blows up something that's small. But then there's a telescope. And this is more more of what the Bible talks about when it talks about magnifying. This telescope's job is to do this. Instead of making a small thing look big, the telescope makes a big thing reveal how big it is. It actually reveals the mystery of the bigness of things. You could, you could set up this telescope and look up in the heavens and spend an hour just looking at the mystery of what your eyes couldn't see. It had to be magnified, and you can spend an hour doing that, and then accidentally just bump the telescope one inch, and it's a whole new mystery. It's a whole new big story that's beyond your comprehension. It amplifies. It reveals. And I think when Mary is saying that her soul is magnifying the Lord, She's not saying, I'm trying to make God look bigger. What she was saying is, I'm trying to 
trying to expand my limited view of the bigness of God. God, even though I can't comprehend how beautiful and, and mysterious and how wide and vast your glory is, my soul, may it be magnified even more. I magnify you. I just want to say that you're bigger than I can then I realize I can comprehend, and I want to worship you because of that. Mary, she understands that her gaze is limited on the bigness of God, and it provokes her to worship. Nancy Guthrie has this great quote to explain this a little bit better. The truth is we can never fully take in our understanding of God's greatness, but we can magnify him. We can magnify God not by making him bigger than he truly is, but by making him greater Notice this, in our thoughts, in our affections, in our memories, in our expectations. We magnify him by having him higher and larger and truer thoughts of him. We magnify him by praising him and telling others about his greatness so they can have bigger thoughts about him too. So for me, the question I've been provoked by this week and one I want to give you is which of these two devices are you using during this Christmas season? Are you using a a microscope? Are you taking the things that are small in this world and blowing them way out of proportion? The to-do lists, the shopping lists. Are you blowing up the anxiety that this causes? Are you blowing up the comparison game we fall prey to? Or are we using the telescope? Are we delighting in Jesus? Are we using this season to explore the unending goodness of Christ? And why this is so important is when we microscope the small things in this world, the weird, weirdest thing happens, God starts seeming smaller and smaller. When we microscope the problems of our life, all of a sudden we have a smaller view of God. Big problems small God, but when we have a big God, everything else in our life becomes uh, right-sized. Everything else in our life is, is, is seen in relation to the bigness of God, the hugeness of God's love, his promises, his loyalty, his faithfulness. The things of this world become uh, exactly the size that they are. It's not to say our problems are, are meaningless, that they should go away. Our problems are true, but we also have to walk with a huge view, a magnified view of God when we step into the reality of life. NASA, they sent Hubble telescope into the universe 25 years ago, over 25 years ago. And I love that. They, they sent us out there like this exploration, not sure what they were going to find. Here's the Hubble telescope right there. And 25 years ago, they sent this in there. And they started, this, they started telescoping what was out there in the mystery of this world. And I just absolutely love some of these pictures. Right here, this picture, this next picture is a swirl. Uh, that's, this is 40 million light years away. Look at the colors of that. Imagine being in NASA and seeing this picture, being the first person to see this picture and go, oh my, that's out there? 40 million light years away. Here's another picture. This is a picture of two galaxies, like two separate galaxies. Here's another picture. This picture is uh, 20,000 light years wide, 
And in the middle, that cluster right there, that cluster, that bright cluster kind of off to the right of the middle, there are 3,000 stars right there in that cluster. That's called a breeding ground for new stars. Stars are just populating all over the place, over here above us in this mystery of the sky. This next picture right here, this is what it looks like when a star dies, when it implodes. It's just so, so bizarre, so beautiful and mysterious. When we telescope, we get to see this. This is an equally striking photo. It came from a spacecraft that was orbiting Saturn. Notice the rings. Here in this picture, 61 million miles away, you see where that little arrow is right there on the right-hand side? Any guess what that is? That's the Earth. That's us. On that small, itty-bitty blue dot is all of your life, all of our existence, every dream that you've had, every fear that you've had, on this spinning rock that's just orbiting the sun, right there. Doesn't that make you feel a little bit small? With that feeling of being small, keep that right there in the forefront of your mind, and I want to I reread this verse from Mary, the first line in her worship. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What she's saying is, God, you're huge. You're huge. My soul can't comprehend this. So I just, my soul is magnifying you. And then the second reality comes into focus. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God, you're huge. God, I just want to magnify you. But she's also saying, but God... I know you know me. I know you see me. This is the reality for us in our view of God. We have to have a reality that God is more expansive and vast and powerful than you can ever imagine. But also God is more mindful of you than you could ever dream of. Psalmist said in Psalm 8, uh, one, three, and four. He said, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. The psalmist is saying, God, I, I just don't understand how huge you are, yet you care about me. The reality is that God sees you and God knows you. God knows your fears, he knows your dreams, he knows your pain, he knows your wishes, he thinks about you all the time, he delights in you, God cares about you, he has a number for the, the number of hairs on your head. When he saw you, he saw you when you were born. He was with you when you stumbled through all of life. He explodes with cheers in your successes. He mourns you and comforts you in your, in your regrets and your failures. God is wild about you. God loves you like there's nothing else to do in all of the universe. God is mindful of you. This vast, expansive God is so fixated on saving you and showing you a way that this infinite God became small. He became small in this little child 
born in a barn in obscurity, who was vulnerable. He was, he was, he was born, he became small so that we could have a companion, that we could have a deliverer, so that we too could know God, that we could be mindful of God. And so how do we respond to this beautiful truth? What in the world do we give God who has everything he needs? We worship him. That's what we do. In this season especially, we stop, we take in this truth, we take in all the promises of God, and we worship from our soul. We magnify Christ. That, my friends, is what this season is really about. So I'm going to leave you with three different things to think about. This series, the goal of this series is to meddle with your life. And I promise, we won't be Scrooges, no bah humbugs. I want this to be the best Christmas of your whole life. Uh, so the goal of this series is to meddle. So I want to leave you with three things for you to experience this week. First one is to pray. I want you to pray Mary's prayer. Maybe some of you need to start every morning with Mary's prayer, remembering that first off, you're the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's a, it's a prayer of surrender. God, before I'm anything else today, I just want to say I want to serve you. And every dream that you have for my life, I just want it to be. Let it be in my life just exactly like you hoped for. The second thing is to ponder. I want you to ponder the season. We don't use that word that much, right? Ponder. I just dare you to use it five times today. Let's see when you can do it. What it means to ponder. Well, this, this word jumped out to me because of Mary's own experience in this story. As the story goes, Mary took God at his word here after she got done singing the song. And months later, uh, it seemed like everything was falling apart. She couldn't even find a place to have his child. And then uh, nine months after she was visited, she was holding Jesus, the long-awaited Savior. And all of a sudden, shepherds and magi were starting to come and giving these beautiful stories about how they heard about Jesus. And this is how Jesus, uh, Mary responds. Mary treasured all these, all these words and pondered them in her heart. As she heard the good stories of God's faithfulness, Mary didn't go, okay, great. She actually pondered them, took time. And I wonder if this season, if we should slow down and ponder and treasure Christ's presence. I want to ask you in this season to slow down and stop and to savor the goodness of God. And then finally, the third and final thing is I want you to practice. I want you to practice worship. In, in all of the chaos of Mary's life, when everything, the wheels were coming off, Mary chose to worship. She chose to worship. She had a lot of distractions, but she chose to worship. Wherever you are today, whatever's going on with you, whatever chaos you have in your life, my encouragement for you is this, to choose to worship, to choose to magnify. Don't microscope the small things in this season. Magnify the big thing, which is Christ, Christ's presence with you. Remember Mary's song that he feels, fills the hungry with good things. He lifts up the lowly, that God sees you, he knows for you, and he cares for you. And for some of you in this room, you might be new to this faith. You might be, this whole thing might be unfamiliar. And I, what I would just want to say to you is you can't worship who you don't know. For some of us, we've never entered into this relationship with Christ and it begins by believing the promises of Jesus. A simple promise like, if you confess that Christ is Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
That's a promise from God. And my, my encouragement for you is to start there. Even right now, don't listen to the rest of this message. Right now, go to God in prayer. Say, God, I, I just want to trust you. I confess that you're my Lord. I believe that you're alive. Just right now, just even go to him. But this morning, we're going to close in a different than usual. We're going to have a time of worship. Uh, I want you guys to, instead of just going through the rhythm of this, truly worship God with these next two songs. And that might mean that you sit and pray. That might mean you stand and worship. That might mean it's, you want to take communion. We're going to take communion like we usually do. We're going to have uh, stations up here at the front. We have a gluten-free station in the back and another station back there too. And we're not going to dismiss you row by row. Just come whenever you want to. Come and experience the promise of God and God's presence. Would you please stand?